Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April 24th, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me as always, just shooting the breeze, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will be discussing the games that we played this week. City of Heroes Secret Server War continues. Anthem Update 1.1 is now live. Numerous Act 1 calendar events have been delayed. Mortal Kombat 11 has some microtransaction shenanigans. We will have a weekly community corner discussing game night as usual and a Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Astute I love listeners. That. Yeah, yeah, we've been pretending that we're... Hey, we just started talking. Hey, yeah, it was like two minutes ago, not an hour and a half ago that we started talking. But tonight's show is going to be short couple of reasons number one it's a very light week both of us have been focusing pretty heavily on stardew for game club so we didn't get a lot of other games played and then also it's wednesday night instead of tuesday night uh i'm not gonna tell the the whole story on air but i had a bad day on tuesday and i just was like i would be in a very grumpy mood to do this podcast tuesday night so i took the night off part of me kind of regrets letting you have the night off just to have grumpy jared (laughs) <laughs> so so i could be the good cop for once <laughs> but uh just by you know my natural position instead of just you know being good I f- as well i feel like you might try and still overpower me though on the grumpiness factor i don't know i guess we would, we would oh, what, that, what, think there's a challenge yeah exactly like i have to prove your dominance <laughs> but yeah so we didn't record last night so we're doing it tonight which i guess to you in the future dear listener doesn't matter but oh no well it matters in uh show length that is true but yeah we've been sitting around talking for an hour and a half roughly breaking content breaking yeah we did get some good franken content which you know can always use more of that um but yeah How's your week been, Rach? <laughs> uh, it's been all right. Uh, well, like I said, I've been focused mostly on Stardew Valley. I um, think I'm on pace for where I want to be for Game Club, which was completing one year, which is, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's every day is like, what, 15, 20 minutes, and there's 20. Well, that's assuming that you're not skipping because. You could just, you know, water your crops and go to sleep, but honestly, that feels like it's missing the point of Stardew Valley. I don't know. It feels a lot like real farming, though. Having having grown up on a farm and done lots of real farming, it's like, <laughs> wake up way too early, deal with all the plants, and it's like, God, I'm tired. I just want to go to sleep now. <laughs> so, re- realism, I guess? <laughs> realism. Yeah, I'm, I'm just starting uh, the summer season. Um, yeah, I'm halfway through the summer season. Yeah, I've played it. I've, I've I've averaged probably about an hour a day for once I started playing it. I didn't really play it the first week of the month, but I lost. I, I told you this. I don't remember if I mentioned it on air last week or not, but there was something that went wrong with my Steam cloud save. And so I lost a bunch of progress, like 
I don't know, five or six in-game days worth of progress. So not like terrible, but you know, that was like one whole day's worth of playtime that I had to redo. Yeah, I lost a little bit of playtime, but that's mostly due to me messing around with the Steam link because it there's just something about it that it doesn't want to grab the uh the PlayStation controller properly. Uh no, just this particular game. It seemed like it wants to only use my old Xbox 360 controller that I the sole purpose of it nowadays is to turn on the Steam link. <laughs> right. Because for those who don't know, the Steam Link doesn't have buttons on it. It does not. So, wonder, is there any version of it that does? Because it went through like one or one. two revisions. Uh, if you build one, you know, you get a, a Raspberry Pi. It would have a button. But remember, I have uh, I got mine that it, when it was already discontinued. Yeah. So you know, I have the latest version, or the last version, I guess I should say. But in order to turn it on, you have to yeah plug the controller in and press uh, the home button. I think mine has a switch on the back of it. Mine does Mine has no switches on it. Not even a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, even though there are some interesting rumors about Nintendo uh, going around. Not enough to really talk about, but supposedly uh, there's going to be a new version of the Switch. Yeah, I've heard that. It's supposed to be smaller and cheaper, I think. Um, well, I haven't seen any uh, thing about size, but I have seen that it's going to be cheaper, which is interesting. I'm not sure if I feel, how I feel about smaller, though, because it seems like the Switch is about the right size for a portable or a portable tablet or whatever you want to call it, yeah. unless it leads to a lot better battery life. Because doesn't yeah, it have it, uh, just a few hours? Yeah, I think its battery life is only like three or four hours on a full charge on a brand new battery. I'm not. I don't remember exactly, but I remember uh, playing on it. Well, it depends on what you're playing as well. Uh, it has a range of 2.5 to six hours, depending on the game and graphics requirement and that sort of thing. And also, gotcha. uh, some games uh, they downscale the resolution whenever it's in tablet mode. So maybe that's part of the reason. Yeah, I know Breath of the Wild does that because I remember people saying like it runs at a smoother frame rate when it's in handheld mode because it takes scales it from 1080 to 720 huh the switch can't have that big a battery though it only takes three and a half hours to charge it's probably i'm gonna say maybe 1500 milliamps uh just based off that stat yeah well let's find out welcome to the switch portion of the podcast uh Okay, that's a lot bigger than I was thinking, but still you know, pretty small for a gaming console. Uh, 4310, according to this, lithium-ion. Oh, wow. So that's a ballpark what my phone runs. Yeah, my, my phone's battery is only 3,500 milliamps. I was thinking yeah, but- it would be a lot less, but I suppose it would need a lot more juice for all of the, you know, the, the graphicking and the mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, to be fair, I don't use my phone for mobile gaming that much. I'm usually at home, and whenever I'm at home, there's no reason for me to be uh, putting wear on the battery, so I have it plugged in. Yeah. But speaking of mobile games. (laughs) Well, actually, I have my story this week. 
Speaking okay. of things that require power. So we were playing what, you're um, on unending uh, on rage or <laughs> yes. So we were playing uh rocket league for this week's uh, community game night game. And we were coming towards the end of time anyways. And my power goes out or so I think at first, So you know, we're playing my whole room goes dark. Yeah, I have to admit, we had a good chuckle whenever I shared that news. Yeah. So, you know, my, my whole room goes dark. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, my power went out. So I texted you really quick. I was like, hey, my power went out. I'm probably done for tonight. But then I noticed, hey, my uh, Wi-Fi hasn't disconnected. That's strange. So then I go peek into the kitchen because the, the light is off. But, you know, there's still some things that light up. If there's power, obviously, like the clock on the stove and the microwave and the fridge light and all that was on. So, um... I uh, it's grabbed, a very localized blackout. Indeed, very. So I grab my uh, my phone, flip on the flashlight, go to the breaker box, and the breaker is tripped for my office. I'm like, well, that's not good. So yeah, that's I, on the list of bad things. So I reset the breaker. I come back over to my desk, and um, you know, everything seems to be back on. My am I? I go to turn on my PC. Nothing. Push the power button. Nothing. I flipped the um, the power supply off, waited, flipped it back on, power button, nothing. And then, then I stopped for a second. Wires. And I'm like, that smells like burnt burning. That's not good. So Turn off I, the power again. <laughs> I think that's when I texted you and was like, well, that wasn't my power went out. And I wasn't sure if there was a power surge and it fried my uh, power supply. Seems unlikely, but it could be possible. Or the more likely case is that my power supply gave up the ghost. And when it did, it tripped the breaker in my office and uh, everything went uh, out. That's so. uh, uh, you can't, uh, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> yeah. So um, my, my gaming PC is a, obviously a custom built rig uh, that had a 600 watt power supply in it. And even though I've got like six computers here at the house, they all are built from like, pre-made office computers or even a couple of custom PCs that I have made, they've been budget conscious. So they've never needed anything more than say a 350 or 400 watt power supply anyway. So even though I've got a small mountain of power supplies, there's nothing in my house that could power my gaming PC. So I'm, I'm starting to feel pretty defeated like fuck. And then I remember, Oh yeah, my home server PC was one that I I built, and I gave it a sturdier power supply because it was in, you know intended to be on all the time. So I go and I look at my home server PC, and it's got a 500 watt power supply, and I'm like, that might be enough. So I go and I look on PC Part Picker and do like little calculations thingy, and it's enough. And I've got some overhead, not as much overhead as I had, and I have you know a tendency to continue to throw shit at my PC anyways. But I went ahead and performed uh, open heart surgery and killed my server PC so that I could stick my 500 watt power supply and my gaming rig. And that's working again. So your uh, server uh, PC volunteered as tribute. It did. It volunteered as tribute. So I'm looking to get a replacement power supply for it. Well, actually a replacement power supply for my gaming rig, because I don't want to leave a 500 watt supply in there forever because I mean, you know, you said this earlier, I already knew it though, but as, uh, you know, as they get older, they lose the ability, you know, to, 
provide the yeah, same the, amount of power. The capacitors uh, just age, and you know, it's it's better to play it safe and just have a you know a lot more overhead. Yeah. So I had around a hundred and somewhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred watts overhead, and so I lost a hundred watts right there. So uh, between fifty and a hundred watts overhead is what I've got, and that's a slight amount of overhead that's cutting it a little close yeah and plus um, you know it's doesn't really uh, account for you know huge spikes in power demand as well which could damage the power supply yeah so i'm i'm that's going why to I always it, whatever pc part picker uh suggests minimum 25 usually i'm 50 percent over yeah so i'm i'm gonna get a new power supply either this week or next week like i'm gonna order one um and then replace the power supply in my gaming rig with that one and then put the other power supply back in my server machine and uh you know call it call it a day on that thankfully nothing else fried because my anxiety shot yeah as far as i know i mean stuff could be damaged but still working but as far as i know nothing else is dead i mean it seems to be working fine I've played some games on it since then. Obviously, I'm using it to record a podcast tonight. Where you are? Yes. But uh, I pan- like I mean, I had massive panic. It was like midnight when I had this realization. And I was like, I know I won't sleep tonight if I don't do this right now. So I got to do it. So, you know, at midnight, I start the the teardown and the rebuild process. And it's like you one put on morning. your uh, allergy mask uh, to pretend to be a surgeon. Yeah, it was like one you in the put morning. on some weird owl. No, I did it quietly, just with the hum of the fan and the air conditioner. Now, did you play the uh, pay the blood tribute? Uh, no, actually, I did not. Oh, well, your, well, your computer's doomed. I did myself an insulin shot before I started because I'd forgotten to give it to that myself earlier. Uh, it doesn't count. Yeah, it has to be unintentional. Well, I did not hurt myself. I lost two screws. I don't know where those are. Oh, don't worry. They're rattling around in the case. They'll short out something randomly. Yeah, I lost two case screws. So, but I mean, the power supply screws are the same size as they just don't have the big head where I can turn them with my thumbs. So, oh, the nice thumb screws. Yeah, but I had a had a couple of extras. So I've got a anyone who wants a, a dead six hundred watt power supply, it's sitting right there, uh, next to me. Maybe I'll take a picture of it. I don't know if anybody cares. No, you sell them on Facebook for uh, $500. (laughs) 600 watt power supply. (laughs) Slightly used. (laughs) Smells of burning. It's probably the podcast title for this week. Smells of burning. (laughs) I mean, actually, definitely. I'm going to put it up here. And then if something better comes along, replace it. I smell burning. That's my story for the week. My tech story. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, uh, played Stardew Valley and well, a mobile game. Yeah, tell me about that mobile game. What you done did played? So I played a rogue light on mobile. So this should uh, be interesting already. Called Soul Knight, and I'm not 100 percent sure what I think about this because there's some things I really like about it, but there's other things that I don't. It's a single stick shooter. It's not a twin stick shooter because it's an auto aim feature in it. 
which is part of the reason why I actually decided to try it out because I got to admit, I'm terrible at on-screen uh, touch control. So this felt like some training wheels to you know, get a feel for them. And okay. it's interesting. It has a, a fairly authentic feel for a roguelite, but just miniaturized where all the floors are between five and eight rooms instead of the usual you know, 10 to 15 for a PC version of it. Uh, but there's the usual mobile shenanigans and it's not as bad in some aspects, but it's worse than others. So let's just go ahead and get monetization out of the way, because that's pretty much what you have to talk about first in these steam things. Right. Right. So like most roguelites, this has a fairly large roster of characters. And I would say about one third, you're able to unlock with the currency that you earn via progression which that's uh, the and that's the uh overarching progression system is you earn currency and you can also earn currency by watching ads and that sort of thing the rest are flat pay transactions and you know it's a dollar or two per character and there's i want to say 10 different ones there's a bunch of uh, reskins of the different characters as well. Some of them you can unlock with currency. Some of them are real money transactions. So it's one of those things that, you know, I'm saying they're tabulating everything. I'm thinking, well, it'd be much cheaper if I go find a, a pay for version of uh, a roguelite and play it instead. <laughs> Just tabbing through everything. But it's kind of like, that's kind of been my overall realization on uh, playing a lot more mobile games uh, in the last month or so, is that you know, uh, free is well, not really the way to go to be a, a, a enjoyable game for the long term because yeah, even uh, Grand Prix Story immediately after I stopped uh, to talk about it, it uh, turned on me. <laughs> but it's more of you know just how much you could stomach it really. Uh, yeah, free to play games, particularly mobile ones, the cost is always psychological. Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm saying they're tabulating. I'm thinking, wow, this is up to like thirty bucks just in the character roster because <laughs> it has that. It has a pet system, which is interesting. You always have a pet that follows you around that acts as decoy and does some moderate damage, but you're able to. Uh, grow some in a garden that has a real time clock on it, essentially. And uh, that's also where you get resources for the uh, another subsystem of the progression system, or not really progression system, but well, some of it is, but some of it is also a way to go into a challenge mode with a lot better odds, just because you're able to forge weapons after you uh, uh, find them eight times. So if you find a particular gun eight times, you then learn the recipe for it. So you can take the items that you've acquired over the uh, over the time you played, forge it, and take it into a challenge mode, which is an interesting way to do it. I haven't seen it done quite like that, but it's a way to kind of game the system in going into a more difficult encounter or trying to beef up a character that is a bit weak because the level up system seems to really favor you switching out characters and each character has their own different power 
which is on a timer, like the starter one, the knight, he pulls out essentially a second copy of the gun and wields, doubling his uh, firepower for a short time. I unlock the rogue, which he has essentially uh, uh, enter the gungeon's dodge roll uh, as his power, just not on anywhere close to that timer. It's something like a 10 second timer. So yeah, it's interesting on the various characters and various characters are more suited to various challenges. And it seems like even floor sets, there seems to be like, I would say three different sets of floors that you could have for the first group of levels, the first five. And then the second one seems to be about the same. I've only, I have about, I would say about a, one in five success rate on going through the first set because of just shenanigans because, well, that's my big beef with the game is that it seems to really, really be streaky. The, because the floors are so small, you don't have, well, I'm going to draw the analog between it and binding of Isaac, because that's sort of the gold standard for the roguelike genre still. Binding of Isaac always had, on standard floors, an item room, and a shop, to a certain extent in the game, all right? Because the floors are so small in this, you have either an item shop or a, uh, a treasure room. And it's very rare to see a gun drop or a weapon drop outside of that treasure room. So there's been times that I would go all the way to the first boss and see maybe one gun. And you can carry two guns unless you get a power up in between floors, which I'll get to in a little bit. So, you know, it's very streaky. And sometimes the shop doesn't even have a gun. Sometimes they'll have a melee weapon, which I found to be suspect to use at best just because of how the game handles its invincibility frames or how it handles its health system, which is also a oddity. So let's just go on to that. Uh, if you look at the screenshots for this, you'll notice, oh, look, there's three bars instead of what you would expect. There's health, but what's that second bar? That's armor. The game has a shield mechanic that is just strange. So each character has armor in the form of a regenerating shield. Uh, think of almost like a sci-fi game, even though this obviously isn't sci-fi. Okay. Where as you take hits, you uh, essentially deplete your armor, or I'm just going to call it shields. Once it hits zero, then you start taking health damage. But there's no sh- uh, shield gating, so there was a couple times that I went from full health to dead just because I got a very bad uh, situation. There's no invincibility frames whatsoever. There's no shield gating. So even though you do have more health than what you would think going in, you have to play the game extremely conservatively. And because it has an auto-aim system on it, it has various guns have various uh, uh, hit chances, essentially, which is just uh, essentially a forced mischance. But it also makes shotguns also a lot more powerful. Uh, I would say... Uh, this has some of the more powerful shotguns I've seen in roguelites just because of that forced miss because the shotguns have, you know, an arc of fire uh, instead of just, you know, what shotguns usually do in uh, video games, which is, you know, a very concentrated, just but big hit. 
So that's a bit of an oddity with it as well, is that it, it seems to have shotguns be very powerful just because of that uh, aiming mechanic and the fact that uh, the game doesn't run on the ammo system, as you may expect. I mentioned Enter the Gungeon, where all the guns have their own independent uh, ammo pools. Mm-hmm. Well, this has a shared energy pool with each gun. Essentially, the more powerful the gun, the more energy it takes. And if you deplete your energy, you switch to a very, very basic melee weapon because there's no invincibility frames. If you don't kill an enemy within a hit or two, it's going to hit you back. So I was less than enthused on you know using that option or, or pretty much any melee weapon that doesn't do some sort of like energy wave or something off of it, which was a little disappointing to me just because of that energy mechanic. And usually melee weapons are very cheap to use or free to try to counterbalance the risk of it. And usually uh, melee weapons have some sort of like dash mechanic going towards the enemy. But just because this is, uh, I would say pseudo bullet hell with some of the bosses. Uh, some of them are just, you know, just completely fills the screen with uh, uh, bullets that you have to dodge and then try to, you know, snipe off a couple shots uh, while uh, uh, in the eye of the storm, essentially. But because they don't have an aiming mechanic, it allows you to focus more on dodging. So, you know, maybe that's a counterbalance there. Uh, but uh, another power-up mechanic I mentioned was the uh, buff mechanic. In between certain floors, you get a choice of three buffs, and they can be pretty mundane, you know, just uh, 50% off uh, shops, which there are vending machines as well that you run into occasionally that you can buy one item from at random, which it works for it as well. But, you know, the, the 50% off shops is a, a very... A useful thing, just because it seems like the game loves to th- uh, replace the sh- uh, the treasure rooms with shops, or, or in some runs, I should say. Uh, the, but then there's more interesting ones, like bullets can bounce. Um, there's changes to how energy beams work, how shotguns will uh, gain extra bullets, essentially, in their uh, uh, first shot. So it's uh, the way the shotguns work, it's instead of, you know, a concentrated area, it shoots out an arc of bullets. It would add more to that. So, you know, the power-ups are actually fairly decent. And then it could also, you know, there are some more ridiculous weapons. And probably my favorite is, is one that you would absolutely love. All right? Okay. It's a unicorn. Okay. A plush like unicorn. And it shoots rainbows. Nice. Out of its ass. <laughs> kind of like um, Mr. Toots from... Oh, what game was that? Red Faction Armageddon, I believe. Yeah, Mr. I Toots was a unicorn it. that shot farts. Rainbow farts. I was going to say, like, what's Stallion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, there's some more fantastical weapons. There's, uh, uh, well, just looking at those screenshots, there's uh, uh, lightning guns that arc between enemies. But because the game doesn't give you any information on the weapons whatsoever outside of the very base stats, 
it's sometimes tough to really tell what the weapons do until you actually use them, which I know you're going to say, yeah, but that's kind of standard for roguelites. Not to this extent. I mean, even using Binding of Isaac, wherever you pick up a yeah, an item, it gave you, you know, a hint of what it does. Like, I got a bow and arrow, which is a charged attack. Uh, it, uh, kind of, uh, the bow and arrows felt like uh, sort of the way to play the game because you build up a charge attack and kind of just dodge and take a good shot. Uh, but I got one that had a piercing uh, arrow that would arc towards another enemy to try to get a two-for-one special. But it mentioned nothing about it in uh, flavor text whatsoever, at least as far as I could tell during gameplay. So that's one detriment to it. And also just because of uh, how crazy it could get, it's very easy to lose track of your character. And also if you're using a weapon like the rainbow, sh uh, or I should say, I shouldn't say shooting, I should say shedding, the rainbow shedding unicorn, it overwrites the enemy projectiles with a rainbow. So you can't see them incoming. So there was a several times I was hit because I couldn't see the enemy projectiles for the uh, unicorn rainbow. Boy, there's a, a sentence I never thought I would say. <laughs> couldn't see the projectiles for the unicorn rainbow. Best sentence ever. And also there were some uh, odd bugs, like there was a mount system. Uh, occasionally you could run into a guy that sells you a mount, which essentially is a movement speed buff and a secondary health bar for a short time. Well, until it dies, which usually is a short time for me because I'm not uh, particularly good at the game. But whenever I was riding it, I noticed that my head would start clipping into the wall. It wasn't drawing the uh, layers of the world properly. It was putting me under uh, the wall uh, layer. And it just, it was one of those things, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Uh, progression, uh, overall, it, it's very front-ended, but that's kind of how it is with mobile games, isn't it? Uh, yeah. The first few playthroughs, there's uh, you know, quite a bit of progression. And then it sl uh, you know, slows down quite a bit after, I would say, about an hour or two. You know, enough for, I would say, about a half a dozen runs. Runs uh, up to the first boss is in the 10-minute range. So based on uh, the progression screen at the end of the run, I would say overall, uh, you know, a full run if the lower levels aren't larger. Uh, somewhere in the ballpark of 30 to 35 minutes, give or take. Which okay. isn't bad for a mobile game. Uh, trying to think of anything else in particular. Uh, the uh, There is an upgrade system for uh, the various characters that uses the uh, uh, the game currency that you earn. Oh, I will say this, that they are kind of generous with uh, the ads. It seems like they don't force you to watch any ads unless you choose to uh, for either getting more currency, getting a secondary life or uh, to unlock a uh, item from the vendor in the opening area. It has an opening area sort of like entering the gungeon does uh, where it's kind of everybody just hanging around chilling. Yeah. But also because uh, it's a mobile game and it uses uh, sort of a, uh, the uh, world like Enter the Gungeon does, but it doesn't highlight everything. So there was quite a while that I went without upgrading uh, the 
some of my stats or some of my starting position just because it wouldn't highlight, okay, well, the fridge you could walk up to and uh, open it up and, uh, you know, upgrade the amount of money you start with. Or uh, going over to that treasure chest that's hidden uh, next to the doorway, uh, if you open up that, you'll sometimes have a fairly decent weapon in there to start with uh, as a secondary. So, you know, it's it has a lot of style to its uh, world, but at the same time, it feels muddled because it has a lot of details, but it doesn't highlight what you could interact with and what you can't. Which sounds like I'm nitpicking, but oh well, right? Yeah. Well, this is new for us. <laughs> what, me nitpicking a game? No. You would never. Also, just because of the way the game handles uh, its... Uh, 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 essentially one uh, stick shooter uh, and it uses the fire button for alternate things as well so if you go up to a chest it uh this the fire button opens up the chest if you run over a consumable the fire button uses the consumable and the uh starting uh, uh lobby uh going up to the garden uh, uh, uh using the fire button picks up the watering can and then using the fire button while you're in a very particular spot uh, waters the plants in your garden to grow for either resources or secondary pets or that sort of thing or uh, temporary buffs. Uh, but I found it to be fiddly at times, not all the time, but enough to be annoying, but not so much that, you know, it's a complete detriment, but it's just, ugh. Uh, there were a few times that I ended up using uh, some rather precious energy. I would have, uh, uh, well, uh, they had a gun called the Soul Caliber. Gee, I wonder where they got that name. That Soul was a, Caliber. Uh, it was a very high damage but high energy weapon. And I ended up using up a fair amount of energy because I was trying to break open a uh, chest. But I was just like one pixel off, so I ended up burning 18 energy. And considering that you know, the starting uh, night only has an energy pool of, of 180, that's pretty important, right? Yeah. And there's no regeneration unless you find it uh, in chests or just get it off of the enemies that drop. Or you get a, a skill that gives you some sort of regeneration, like uh, ener uh, energy will sometimes regenerate when killing an enemy or... Uh, health does the same way. There's a, a, a level up for that as well. I found it interesting, but it's one of those things that I'm not sure if I want to play it anymore just because I'm starting to slow down on it already uh, after playing it for just a couple hours. But uh, it's interesting if you're into roguelites and you want to have something on mobile that's decent. I will say that the skill up that gives you a third weapon slot it's clumsy at best because it doesn't add a secondary ui element so instead of being able to swap between two weapons very quickly you're swapping between three weapons pretty slowly just by hitting the same button over and over okay uh, <clears throat> i don't think me. there's anything else there's little hints of humor but it's not like enter the gungeon that you know feels like it's built for it it feels like it's kind of just sprinkled here and there which is a shame because, you know, it, whenever it gets ridiculous, it's fun. But, yeah. I think I'm uh, going to be pretty much done with it after this. Okay. 
I mean, it doesn't sound like something I'd be super interested in. Um, maybe if it wasn't on mobile. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of thing is that as I was playing it, I was thinking, you know, this would be a pretty good twin stick shooter on PC because it has uh, yeah, enough style to it. Uh, it has an interesting weapon mechanic where it's around the energy system and it leads you to be more conservative and it doesn't it doesn't make it where you know if you found a weapon that's more powerful it doesn't make it automatically better it makes you sit there and kind of weigh the pros and cons it's like okay well i could pick up the uh, shotgun of ass kicking but that's five energy a shot can i uh, make that back because at the end of each room you get a small bit back in a treasure chest but sometimes that uh, you know gives you a potion instead, which sometimes is not good to get a health potion whenever you're at full health. You're, Can you save kind of, them, or do you have to use yeah, them? Yeah, right you, then yeah, you could save them. Uh, there's nothing like entering the dungeon where if you leave something for too long, it uh, disappears. But remember, the floors are pretty tiny. Gotcha. So yeah, I would say it's definitely not going to uh, unseat Binding of Isaac, but I would say that it's decent enough if you're a fan of the genre and just want to think about on mobile gotcha um i saw in one of the google reviews it was one of the top ones that uh it was compatible it had controller support or was compatible with bluetooth controllers yeah well i didn't want to uh unlink my playstation controller because last time i did that uh i had a hell of a time getting it relinked to my pc Gotcha. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk it, you know. And, and also, it was also you know seeing you know what it uh, could do with uh, uh, on screen since that's one of the main selling points. Is uh, where is it on here? It's I don't know. It it was saying that uh, auto aim system makes for intuitive uh, on screen controls. Auto aim system for super intuitive control. So I decided to test that. Gotcha. But they tend to throw enough random encounters in it that are things that change up things that it didn't feel like it was getting stale anytime soon. It's just uh, the progression system. Uh, um, it's uh, the first character, the rogue, or I should say the cheapest one. It doesn't have to be the first was 2000. And then I think the next one, is something like five or ten thousand. I know the top end one that I could unlock with uh, the gems, the which you could also pay for the currency, of course, uh, was something like twenty thousand. And an successful run for me was netting about two hundred. So I was looking at about an yeah. Well, it took me about twenty runs to get the rogue, but that's also uh. Sometimes it was uh, a lot more. Sometimes it was a lot less just because of, you know, just how roguelites work. And also the scoring mechanic was actually pretty uh, generous at times. It factored in both the time you played, uh, how far you got, and also your excess money. So if you had a lot of money left over, it would uh, actually boost your score a fair bit. That's why the 50% off uh, buff was actually a lot more uh, strong than you would otherwise think because it helps with your overall progression. Yeah. Yeah, I would say cool. decent, but, you know, uh, it's nothing that would keep me playing for quite a while. But then again, you know, that I have Enter the Gungeon and Binding of Isaac that I could go back to. Yeah. 
still need to play uh, Enter the Gungeon. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you had one game this week. I also had one game this week. Yeah, you're retreading on some uh, ground. Yeah, you have previously played and discussed this game. It is Train Valley Two. Yeah, I've I had this for a. Remember what I said about? It. I think it was a, a decent, but it didn't really grab my interest. Yeah, I've had this game for a while. Uh, I haven't played it. You know, it, nothing against it. I played the first one. I liked the first one. Um, but I, I got this a review key for this a while ago, like long before it was actually like available on Steam. Um, because according to this, it was only released April fifteenth, and I think I had it back in. Yeah, I think I had a pre-release copy. I had it in February, I think, and uh, you know, I just have never gotten around to playing it. And then a couple of days ago, maybe over the weekend, King was like sitting here with me. We were trying to decide like what game to play, and he saw it just because there was an update for it. And so he saw it in my update queue and he was like, Oh, have we played that train game before, Daddy? I was like, No, we have not. I don't know how much you'll like it. It's more of a puzzle game than the type of train games we usually play, but you know, it had a train on it, so we had to check it out. I mean it says true two and uh the Steam store page, so it has to be good, right? <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway, so yeah, Train Valley Two is more of a a puzzle game you're given a level and um you know the the basic goal is to deliver whatever goods a city needs to complete that level and there might be multiple steps in the process like for the first one you know you just need like to deliver some wood to the city and that's like a one-step thing send workers from the city to the woodcutter and then send the the logs from there back to the city um, and you start with just two, I believe it's two trains, and then you can buy more trains as you progress through to allow you to complete levels faster. You can get upgraded trains. Um, there are different eras. So there's like a steam era and then an industrial era where that you you know start to see like diesel trains and things like that. It goes all the way to the space era. There's 50 levels, and we've only what, you get completed... space trains? Unfortunately, no. Um, but you do like the final level level is to build a spaceship uh the the mars colonization ship i mean we're not there i haven't seen it but like i looked up sort of what's what it was um we've only completed the first five levels um and as you go they get more complex uh they you know they start to add things so initially it's pretty flat and the goal is basically just collect so much money and you know don't don't run out and lose it it does a star system thing for the levels and you can unlock various cosmetic changes to your trains and other things via the stars so you know you collect your first 10 stars and you get like a second version of the starter train and it just looks different it doesn't have any stats or anything but it looks like every single one of the trains has got three different sort of skins for it that you unlock just based mm-hmm. on how many stars you have. Um, so anyways, that's how the, the the levels give you objectives. And beating it is one star. And it doesn't look like there's any sort of requirements to progression like there would be in like a mobile game or something. It's just more stars gives you more rewards. Um, but it, it starts simple. You know, you have a very flat level without too many features. 
only a small number of goods you have to deliver. And then it adds more layers of goods, maybe something that requires sort of three stops to get the final product to deliver to the city. And they add bridges on the level itself. And then you get the ability to construct bridges. And then you start getting levels with multiple cities that you can utilize or that each require different sets of materials. And it's sort of a little little puzzle to be like, okay, how do I create the most uh, efficient? You have to build the production chain, essentially. Yeah, and it's how do I create the most efficient way to do this? Because most of the levels, uh, they've got like two, maybe three bonus objectives. And then otherwise, it's just, you know, complete the level and then complete the level faster and faster for uh, one, two, and three stars, respectively. And I think each level has two bonus objectives. And it might be like to do this using only, you know, three trains or do this without uh, having to delete any tracks. So, you know, you make a mistake, you have to delete some tracks. We'll do it without doing that. No, especially whenever like they throw a uh, curveball at you in some levels. Like what sort of curveball uh, are you thinking of? Uh, memory serves, didn't they eventually... Uh, in some levels have it where a secondary objective unlocks. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I don't know. Uh, maybe memory serves, uh, so far. Uh, if memory serves, uh, at some point uh, you start getting where there's a secondary objective that is after the first set. Gotcha. Um, I could be mistaken on that one. Yeah. I mean, that might come in. Like I said, I just got the ability to build bridges. Um, and get over it. And yeah, and get over it. Uh, major differences in this one compared to the first one, if you have played the first one, or maybe you're interested in the first one, if you see it really cheap. Uh, the first one is purely a puzzle game where that you build a track layout and there are different stations that are different colors. And so you have to build a track layout that allows you to get as many trains as possible in a time limit to their destinations without crashing. And that's really it. Uh, the levels go up in complexity. You get additional tools to build tracks as time goes on. But this game focuses much more on, uh, rather than just being as fast as you can, you've got the different layers of this production chain. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit more to it. The puzzle's a little more complex. Um, it calls it a tycoon game. It's not really. Um, because when you think of tycoon games, you think of the various Sim City type stuff. You think of, you know, in this vein having to do with trains, you think of transport fever, train fever, um, city skylines, <laughs> things like that. What? I'm sorry. I, I'm on their store page and I looked at the uh, latest uh, posted uh, negative review. Yeah. And there's a developer response to it that <laughs> just got me chuckling. Uh, basically, they were calling it a very lazy sequel to the first one. And the developer responded with a breakdown of levels, workshop levels, modes, objects, engines. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> uh, just hilarious to me. Yeah. And this one also has got, uh, speaking of workshop, I'd forgotten completely about that because I haven't tried it yet. But uh, uses Steam Workshop for people to create uh, their own levels for you to play through so yeah i don't think it was implemented when i was playing it before yeah so if you like the key gameplay concept and you've beaten the all of all 50 levels and you know you got you five starred them or whatever and you want more well there's custom custom maps that you can play on yeah 530 of them at the time of recording 
trying to think if there's anything that I've missed. I mean, that pretty much covers the gist of it. It's a, well, it a sounds like there's uh, various modes eventually, or uh, or uh, modifiers to the maps as well, just based on what the developer uh, responded with here. Uh, special event levels, special mechanics, electricity, customs, marketing. So it sounds like eventually you have to deal with uh, additional things outside of just you know building trains. Well, maybe, uh, I mean, you know, I, I have quite enjoyed it. I intend to play it some more. My kid likes to watch for a little bit, so he'll probably want to come back and play some more too. So that'll be extra motivation for me to, uh, to keep going on it. But, you know, I, uh, I like it and, uh, I'd like to play it more. It's, it's relaxing. That's the thing. It's a very relaxing puzzle game to play. You know, you won't score as well if you don't rush to complete it, but really there's no rush. There's no sort of opposition. The only way to lose is if you basically run out of money and crash all of your trains, or maybe you do something like, you know, fuck up a route and get yourself sort of stuck. Um, But that's actually pretty hard to do and wind up in a position where you've played for 15 minutes. And then it's like, Oh, well I fucked this up 15 minutes ago. Like you figure out pretty quickly if you really messed up. Cause I had a couple of times where that just learning like the difference, how different terrain, like if you're going up or down a steep grade, you can't turn, you have to go straight. So I didn't realize things like that initially. And it's like, okay, built a track and Oh, I can't turn here. Well, great. I'm out of money. So I'll just restart real quick. But I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it. It's a cute, fun. Yeah, I don't, I puzzle think game. Just, uh, when I played it was, uh, in very early access. Yeah. But it's a very fun puzzle game. And if you like this type of puzzle or if you like trains and you're looking to relax a little bit, it's definitely something I'd recommend. It's not super expensive. It's 15 bucks without any sort of, you know, discounts or anything. I feel like it's worth that. But again, you know, it would, I'm sure, go on a really deep discount for big sales. I think the first one has gotten all the way down to like sub $5 level in the past. Uh, I'm actually going to pull it up here and see. Yeah, I don't have Steam installed for Firefox, uh, so. But yeah, it, I mean, well, for some reason, it's not showing me the all-time low price. Yeah, I, oh, well. I just thought uh, it was hilarious that the developer did a breakdown like that. Yeah, but yeah, I would, I would hesitate to call it a tycoon game as well, from what I recall of it. I mean, it. For me, Tycoon is more about the management uh, than anything else. And this is uh, far too much on the puzzle side of things to be a Tycoon game, in my opinion. But that's kind of splitting hairs on it, isn't it? Yeah, and it could be that it starts you out pretty easy and you know works you into it. The later levels might have much more of the Tycoon aspect. We'll see when I uh, when I get there. Next time on Dragon Ball Z? Next time on Dragon Ball Z. It's over 9,000. All right. Well, that wraps us up for the games that we played this week. Yeah, it's only have an urge to go start watching Dragon Ball Bridged again. <laughs> well, brought to you by Heat Tap. Mm-hmm. We've we got enough sort of franking content to write out the show. You could do that. <laughs> I could go to bed early, I guess. Yeah, you're not getting out of it that easily. Uh, darn. Oh, well. All righty. Well, um, yeah, the only way you're getting out of recording is you uh, melt another major organ. I don't want to do that. 
Well, then uh, on to the news. <laughs> to the news. Our first news topic of the night is a continuation of last week discussing City of Heroes. And we kind of worked or editorialized the title for this, which is City of Heroes Secret Server War Continues. Yeah, there was a couple of uh, bits of interesting news. One is pretty much obvious what's going to happen when you know this sort of thing comes out, especially with NCSoft, is that the private server was shut down after what they quote, doing the impossible, which is essentially keeping the game alive for this long. And protecting it from, well, the rights holder. Oh, shoot. I fetched off my RPG alarm. Yeah, your vibrator's just... going off. My phone vibrates. There's something broken with the vibrate in my phone, and it vibrates way too hard. Oh, my. I know. But it's not fun. It's just, like, really annoying, the sound that it makes. But yeah, I'm sorry I want the vibration on my phone. They have interesting uh, patterns. <laughs> Wink. So I just went and turned the second alarm off. So that won't happen again. Anyways, so continue. We... My apologies. Uh, so, well, as you may expect, the server shut down after getting a cease and desist from NCSoft. But uh, they were talking about doing the impossible, which was, as far as I could tell, revitalizing uh, this game and keeping it secret for so long. Unless I missed the meaning of uh, you know, doing the impossible. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's so hard to keep anything a secret on the internet or to keep mm-hmm. anything, you know, closed off. And we talked about this a little bit last week. You and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Like, what they did, lying to people like that, gaslighting people and whatnot, is not good. But at the same time, it's damn impressive that they managed to get a group of people to keep a secret for years on the internet. You know? Yeah, especially enough to make a MMO playable. Because I've played on private servers before, or... uh, pirate servers or whatever you want to call them. I toyed around with uh, ones on WoW, and I've toyed around with ones in EverQuest. Yep, I have two uh, Star Wars Galaxies. They're Star Wars Galaxy. And uh, they always feel very empty because the world is built for a massive scale of people. And even whenever you know the game is built or retooled to be a lot more intimate for a, a smaller group, it still feels like it's lacking something. So the fact that they were able to get a population that um, you know, made the game actually playable to this mm-hmm. extent and keep it secret is impressive. Still kind of dicks with how they did it, but you know, it's one of those things that, yes, you're a jerk, but I see where you're coming from on this. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting sort of roller coaster how what happened because it was the secret was let out and then they went and just released all of the code and everything online. Yeah, well, not everything. That That's the thing. They didn't release everything, uh, but they had a leak before they uh, got the cease and desist because they knew the game was up and you know, it was pretty obvious that it was going to, 
Uh, they released the majority of their server code in the game code. They kept uh, the mission information, which I'm not sure if they intended to do that or not, but you know, what the hell. But they also didn't release the player uh, database that they had a stolen backup of. So that's not floating around the internet, at least, which, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But the the end of the first article is like, no act- legal action has been taken yet. And then the next article <laughs> is uh, private city of hero server shuts down after air quotes doing the impossible. So they got the cease and desist and we're shut down. But I mean, it comes out there online. So good luck actually getting it all. Yeah. I mean, uh, once you get something like that leak, uh, it's gone, especially with how pissed people were, were when they discovered that there was a secret server and they weren't invited. Did you notice that in some of the comments for these articles in, uh, on Reddit? Yeah, People I were did. pissed that they weren't invited. So it, it's one of those things that, why are they sitting on this license? I mean, I understand that they have to protect their international uh, intellectual property because the way copyright works is absolutely stupid in the modern era. It worked back in the day, but it doesn't really work now just because of derivative works in everyone being a potential creator with wide uh, distribution channels. But it's just so idiotic that they shut it down in the first place, but have just set it on it for the last decade, essentially. Yep, rights squatters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that uh, they say that they have to protect the game from NCSoft, the rights holders... Kind of tells you the uh, the state of the modern. Well, well, I guess you know you could t- use the term modern gaming in this because you know it is today, but still, oh. postmodern gaming. I don't. That would not be correct. It would not be postmodern gaming. <laughs> uh, what would be postmodern gaming? Um, good question. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Relating to or characterized by postmodernism, especially in being self-referential. Borderlands? May- maybe? Uh, that's the thing is that, you know, uh, postmodern is, you know, kind of a very loose definition to begin with. Huh. So, thesis statement. I believe the video game industry has reached an era of postmodern gaming. Essentially, it's reached the point in both technology and demand where superior technology in games is not the main cause of demand. This is a post from 2008. Just shorthanding, it's essentially making the argument that while graphics are still a pretty big driving force in games that games are starting to become more and more artistic in nature with things like indie games becoming more accessible via digital distribution. Uh, A lot more can be done with games and a more artistic standpoint than just creating a product to be sold. Hmm. That's interesting because this is back in 2008. So some of the language is because, you know, it would be like, on Steam now, but it's like digital distribution and talking about the evolution of PC gaming graphics cards. 
this, I mean, this is going to be. A, I'm going to come back and read this later. It's not. Now, super are you actually going to come back and read it, or it's it's not super long, but it's too long to read the whole thing right here on the show. So I think it's like right there. Oh in no, a sweet we spot. need some padding. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be getting sleepy soon, probably. <laughs> But yeah, this is just kind of a continuation, sort of the expected route this has taken. It's just really a shame how NCSoft is just, what are they working on these days? That's the thing. I don't know. Let's see, NCSoft Gaming, NCSoft Wikipedia. Current arena net. Oh, that's the subsidiaries. Uh, let's see. They have not a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, Guild Wars. Yeah, they have Guild Wars 2. Uh, under, uh, uh, well, under arena net, which is a former subsidiary. Oh, no, no, no. no it's a current subsidiary. So, yeah, they have the lineage games. Blade and Soul and Aeon, so a bunch of MMOs. A Mahjong game from in Japan. And a dance rhythm game. That I hadn't heard of. Love Beat. It's on Steam. Love Beat. Yeah. Boy, that looks terrible. Go, go, go look at that. It's a free-to-play uh uh Rhythm game. Let's see. Under development is two Blade and Soul games, Aeon 2, Lineage 2, Blade and Soul 2. Yeah, Love Beat does not look good. <laughs> yeah. I think I've actually seen that before in the on uh, the Discovery queue, and I skipped it because it looked terrible. Because this looks familiar. Or, or it just is so generic looking. That's the other thing, right? Yeah. You know the, it's not a good. Is... You know it's not a good sign whenever half the screenshots are of, uh, store pages. Yeah, they definitely want you buying things in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just well, NC Soft, but they had some really interesting games back in the day. I mean, they had WildStar, uh, which, to be fair, you know, uh, WildStar. As one of those games that probably should have spent more time in the oven. And then also released as a subscription game before, or, uh, yeah, in a post-WoW world. And after the, more of the transition to free-to-play. And just never was able to uh, make the jump. Uh, to be a little also, prob- uh, about the same thing, City of Heroes. Uh, they killed it before it uh, stopped, uh, or stopped making a profit. Uh, Auto Assault, oh boy. Remember Auto Assault? That, that no. was actually that was actually a decent uh, auto combat uh, uh, MMO from what I saw. I never got to play it. Yeah, I didn't play it. Definitely didn't play it. It was considered average according to critics, but yo, know, that's kind of how MMOs start, huh? Most of the time, yeah, maybe all the time, but yeah. So NCSoft, not doing much that I'm really all that interested in. Yeah, I miss Wildstar. Yeah, I got to, uh, you know, got a little bit more playtime in it, but it was one of those things that 
they tried a few things that was interesting, but it seems like they just couldn't get the population to sustain it. I wonder if they, uh, how it would have fared if they released it in the state that they had it in the free to play update, or, or I should say as a free to play game instead of a subscription game. Cause that seems to be the kiss of death these days. Yeah. I don't know if it would have fared too much better in the long run, but I think it would have had a better start. Well, that's the thing is that uh, MMOs, they really need to uh, hit a critical mass with uh, with their population in order to be sort of self-sustaining uh, and uh, just have more people coming in than uh, leaving. So if they could have hit that critical mass and not scared people off. And also, well, they also had a problem with just not producing content or producing interesting content. They only had one raid dungeon as far as I know. So that was kind of uh, bad on them because there was nothing for the high-end raiders, which that's what they uh, chased, wasn't it? The uh, old-school WoW raiders? Yeah, that was the initial goal or target or whatever for the game. Yeah, I think that was also a a mistake on them. As an, uh, well, not really an old-school raider because I never did Molten Core back in the day, but as a WoW raider, Chasing the bleeding edge of uh, the WoW Raiders? No, that's not going to sustain you. That, that's the, the the that demographic is locked into WoW until the next expansion. Then maybe they can be chased off, only to return. But yeah, only to return to a dead horse that we could beat. <laughs> Indeed, let's go beat a dead horse. Um, or a dying horse a a zombie horse an undead horse Anthem Update 1.10 is now live numerous Act 1 calendar events are delayed so (laughs) you can go read the full article in the link or one of the mini write ups on Reddit if you want the full sort of take on the situation but the shorthand for this is that I mean they fucked up they know that they fucked up and the game is in such bad shape that they're spending all of their time instead of sticking to the their you know their air quotes roadmap and content releases and the next like story progression stuff they're just having to fix the game and also put in very basic seeming systems and lots of people are unhappy with that but it's a damned if you do damned if you don't i'm not trying to defend them you and i sort of had this basic conversation before we started recording Because I was like, I mean, their two choices are halt content release to try and fix their mess or ignore the mess and work on just releasing new content. And they're going to get yelled at for both things, no matter what they do. But they put themselves in this position. So I don't really have any sympathy for them. Yeah, well, this uh, really comes down to Bioware expecting uh, things to come together magically under crunch time. We talked about this, I think it was the last time we uh, talked about Anthem, was that they have this over-focus on uh, you know, the Bioware magic just happening. Well, that doesn't magically happen with an uh, MMO because it's a live service. It requires an ongoing effort. And whenever you have the game fundamentally broken, it, not just fundamentally broken, but haphazardly thrown together because a suit thought, well, him Iron Manning around is really cool. Let's focus the game around that and, you know, ditch 
what a couple years worth of uh, uh, work and throw the game together in a year and a half. The fact that they tried to throw a game uh, together a year and a half is just absurd, let alone an MMO. Yeah, I was going to say for any game, but especially an MMO. So or... it's not surprising that uh, you know, uh, they're having to spend so much time putting, uh, you know, trying to glue the bits together uh, and replace the, you know, the bits of string and some chewing gum. Maybe a little bit of duct tape uh, holding things together. But the fact that they don't have a guild system in, it just blows my mind. Yeah, a the, modern MMO that does not have guilds or some that's, equivalent. That's as stupid as launching a store without user reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, or forums or you know any social impact whatsoever. Yeah. The main things that they've added aside you know the main things that have changed are a whole list of bug fixes. They added one of their strongholds, which is this game's equivalent to like raids or in-game content. Um, and then some basic quality of life features, like being able to access the, or being able to change your equipment while you're in mission or away from the fort, being able to immediately launch into another mission after you complete one, instead of having to sit through multiple load screens. Um, I think that's it for their yeah. main... Yeah, didn't they uh, changes. Uh, go on and on about uh, no load screens whatsoever uh, uh, during their uh, E3 conference? I don't remember that. I remember uh, a they, lot they of talked things. About seamless, that. They talked about a seamless world. Okay. Maybe that's one of those things I've just heard it so many times from developers. It's just on my uh, it's just a, Yeah, it's, a, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> a, a buzzword that is absolutely meaningless now because seamless world. Okay, well... Uh, does that mean that you're just hiding uh, all the uh, bits and string uh, behind the scenes that's holding this uh, piece of shit together? Yeah. Uh, it, it's really disheartening because, you know, this is what the third game in a row uh, for Bioware that's uh, had some severe problems, second, third game. Uh, it really depends on how you view Dragon Age, really. Yeah, I was going to say. Because Mass uh, Effect... Because- yeah, Major Dragon problems. Age is yeah, Dragon Age is one of those games that is very divisive, and I'm not sure which side I would fall on because I have no interest in playing the modern Dragon Age. Dragon Age pretty pretty much went in a direction that I didn't want it to go. I, I absolutely loved the first game. Second game, they pushed it towards a more ARPG uh, uh, sense, and that's where they lost me. Yeah. Because it liked... was so, it was so interesting that they had, a, you know, the uh, pseudo turn-based mechanics in the first one, and a lot more strategic combat. Yeah, um, I liked Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, overall, it was kind of like an honestly, it felt like an offline MMO to me with the types yeah. of questing and the world areas and stuff, which I like. I mean, you know. I, I could totally understand not liking that, but I like that. So I enjoyed it, but it wasn't without yeah, its problems either. Yeah, that's why it felt like whenever I was looking at it, it was like, oh, this looks so much like an MMO. Only you're alone. It's all oh, 22 cans, uh, Kingdom of Amalur. Yeah. 
uh, hey, I pulled the name out of my ass. <laughs> you got it though. King Kingdoms. It's King. The full title is Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Well, I reckon I got that one close enough. Yeah, I mean, I like Kingdoms <laughs> of Amalur too, too, though, for that reason. Yeah, it's like an I mean, offline it's the same MMO. Thing, is that it is very. Uh, uh, sorry, I had a thing pop up on my phone. It's like, what is that? <laughs> um, ignore the uh, timer. Uh, it's one of those things that you know, if you like that type of questing, fine. But if you don't want a game that's focused around uh, you know gathering bear asses, then you, you know bear you, asses or ask them bears, then Ooh. you're going to have a problem. And that's the problem is that you know I, it's not something I really wanted in a single player MMO or sing, I didn't want a single player MMO in my Dragon Age. I was more interested in. Uh, what Dragon Age was in its initial offering. So, yeah, that's why... You know, uh, uh, let's just call it two and a half, all right? Fair enough. Because Mass Effect Andromeda, I know you love the story, but it released in such a state, it is unforgivable. That's fair, but I came to Mass Effect Andromeda quite Way a late. bit late, and most if not all of the major problems were fixed so i don't have any context well, for that scenario i mean that's one of the benefits in the modern era of coming to games you know of being, of being a, patient, a, gamer. a patient gamer is that it's just sort of become the norm for games to release in a bad way and so you just wait and you pick it up six months or a year yeah, later it feels like such a, uh, such a sucker's bet these days getting a game within two months of its release date in either direction yeah it's just it's seems like unless you're going into indie or uh double a territory triple a gaming pushes their games out way too early i'm not sure if this is a budgetary problem if this is just marketing trying to get ahead of the curve so much that they're not budging enough time for uh, development or what or if it's just the suits because yeah we have the situation here with anthem where when they uh did their uh, big e3 uh uh, tech demo that was the game that was all they really had going (laughs) yeah um but but here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing is that i think bioware i'm gonna put uh let's put 20 and 21 i think bioware is doomed Either by 2021, they're going to be gone, or they're just going to be what Maxis is now, the name that they attach to Anthem, and that's it. I think if they pull out a really successful Dragon Age, and that either, even if the rumors that have been like it's basically going to be an, you know, a, a Dragon Age MMO or whatever, Dragon Age looter, magic or whatever looter sorter looter sorter looter slasher Um, oh yeah looter slasher um you know even if those rumors turn out to be true either they change it or they actually release a a functioning game like if they do a good job with the next dragon age they're probably will buy themselves some time i think they'll need two really good games in a row to get back in good graces but if they can pull one out it'll be like okay so are they turning it around or is this a fluke but if they fuck it up, then or if EA meddles too much and causes it to be fucked up, then yeah, they're 
They're well, there's no it. announcement on a, a release date for Dragon Age: The Dread Wolf Rises. What was this a pirate game? That would be so cool. A Dragon Age pirate game? I'd be down for that. Yo ho, yeah. mateys. Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, and there's already controversy around it. <laughs> of course. Uh, let's see. It's a sequel to Dragon Age Inquisition. So, yeah. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. See, I go with a different uh, uh, thing with uh, uh, hearing Inquisition. The Inquisition, what a show. The Inquisition, here we go. What, Mel Brooks? <laughs> nope, not ringing any bells. I mean, oh, I don't know who Mel Brooks is. I've seen some things from Mel Brooks, but I don't remember that, Inquisition. History of the World? It's been a long time since I've even seen History of the World. Oh. And we're in the we're in the <laughs> the decade ago range for the last time I saw History of the World. Oh, right, well, we're going to have to uh, get you to watch that again. Put it on the list. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Anthem. It's still a hot burning dumpster fire that looks like they're just dumping more flaming dumpsters on. They're well, trying they're, to not no, do no, that. No, no, they, no, no. Don't you understand? They're building a wall of flaming dumpsters around the trash fire. <laughs> what they're doing is they're defending themselves from the White Walkers. They bought into Game of Thrones a little too hard with all that fantasy and sci-fi stuff they've created over the years. And so they're like, aha, we must defend ourselves. So they built a moat and f- filled it with flaming dumpsters full of copies of Anthem. No, no. W- what they did was they built a castle and it sank into the swamp. And now they're b- <laughs> uh, putting a patch onto the uh, castle and it's sinking into the swamp. So then they're going to put a patch on the patch on the castle in the swamp. And it's going to catch on fire, then sink into the swamp. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I I hate kind of tamp, uh, tap dancing on this because I don't want Bioware to go away because they were a good game development company. But the thing is, Bioware today is a shadow of what they were. You know, it, this is the zombie husk of Bioware kind of shuffling around at this point. Yeah. So that's why I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'll be surprised if by the end of 2021, yeah, essentially two years from now or two and a half years from now, they're still around. It really depends on the upcoming Dragon Age. And I'm not even sure if that's going to save them. Especially if some of the rumors are true about it being another MMO. Or, or are they going to become the MMO company? They which is just, might. Which is just sad uh, considering the talent that Bioware once had. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. If they ever get it fixed, I still want Anthem, though. I want to be Iron Man in a cool-looking sci-fi world. Even well, what you don't want to be is uh, locked in the crypt. Oh, God fucking no. Nice <laughs> second. I approve. Um, yeah, so Mortal Kombat 11 is having some microtransaction shenanigans. Mortal Kombat has had issues with microtransactions its last couple of outings. Maybe well, further back like than that. Well, it seems like they've doubled down. Yeah, because I don't play Mortal Kombat or really fighting games, and you don't either. So I just yeah, know well, what I've heard from the news over the last two or three years. Yeah, that's the thing, is that um, fighting games, 
uh, they tend to be uh, uh, exploitative of their consumer base, uh, uh, almost to the degree of uh, sports games, which is yeah. r- rather shocking, huh? That seems to be the two worst ones because they're sort of captive audiences. And yeah, so let's just dive into this. Uh, this is going to, uh, the show notes is going to link to two Reddit posts. So yeah, take this with a bit of a grain of salt, but there's not people here uh, saying that they're wrong. That's the thing is I started looking uh, for people saying that they were miscalculating and there's people saying, no, that sounds about right. So the first one is Mortal Kombat. If you get perfect luck on the store, which that's kind of the, 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 what some people are pointing out, well, you're not going to be able to buy everything, but if you could, it would be $6,440 to buy every skin in the game without grinding. Assuming that you have perfect luck and are checking back at the store every six to eight hours. That's just absurd. Yeah, that's too much. The the way that it worked has worked their last couple of addings. They've got added this system called the crypt where that it's like a weird. Well, well, that's not even uh, this that. Well, that's part of it, I should say. Well, you cut out for a second. What did you say? I was saying that's not quite this, but it is part of it because it does have the currency mechanic in it as well. So you earn some currency by just playing, and then as you went through the crypt, you would uh, unlock stuff. Um, I mean, it's, and it'll, it's, it's a mobile uh, game. Yeah, and then you would, you know, there were milestones where you'd unlock chests that had more money, and then you can use those to buy stuff. And one of the things that you could buy being those uh, instant finisher tokens or whatever they were. So whenever you want to fight, you could just pay one of those and do a finishing move. Yeah, because that really shows your skill, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Definitely shows your skill. Uh, but if you don't want to uh, you know, pay and just want to grind out everything. Okay, according to this guy, he got 760 time crystals, with a K, of course, after four hours of gameplay. Which, at that rate, it would be 3,390 hours to unlock every single skin. To be fair, you don't need every single skin, but it gives you an idea of just how much microtransactions in this game. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you don't need every skin, but I bet there'd be lots of people who do want to collect all of them or most of them. Or play several characters. Yeah. Because I know in fighting games, you tend to main a, a particular character, or two or three. So... Yeah, that's quite a bit of grinding. And that's not even counting the other thing where they were talking about how the harder towers, the challenge modes, are impossible without rare or better gear and single-use consumables. And earning those is also very grindy, and the entire system seems to be designed around getting you to spend money. (laughs) Of course it would be. They want you to spend money. Because it's a free-to-play mobile game. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh. You know, it's kind of funny that there's all this talk about uh, fighting games being dead, uh, particularly on PC. They're not dead. They're being killed. Yeah. Because there, I, I see uh, you know, a, a new top-end game coming out, you know, a new Street Fighter, which uh, Street Fighter Five, I think is the latest one that released in a 
pretty much a bare bones state to just try to get out before a major tournament. And now this and the previous one of uh, the previous Mortal Kombat also had uh, monetization issues. So yeah, it's just you know, why bother, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fighting game guy, so this doesn't affect me too much directly, but it still is shitty practices, and I hate that the people who really enjoy the game are going to be forced to deal with this crap. Yeah, and they also, uh, uh, Kong, which is one of the mainstays, was a pre-order bonus, and you can't get them any other way except for, you know, putting down some real money. Uh, they already have several characters locked away, some of which are, you know, uh, very popular of, because, of course, they are. And that's the other thing that's kind of shitty is that they lock behind uh, paywalls, you know, popular characters to you know force out more money. It's just it keeps me away from uh, even wanting to deal with the the fighting game genre to you know even try to get good. Yeah, I agree. And. Y- I know some people are probably thinking, well, why should we care? Because we don't like fighting games. Well, the cancer can spread. So, you know, it may be confined to sports games and uh, fighting games for now, but, well, we've seen it pop up in, well, uh, let's pick one almost at random. How about a Star Wars game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, would it happen to be a Star Wars Battlefront game? Well, it has to be because they haven't done anything else with the license yet. Oh, I see which way you took that sick burn. Well done, sir. I approve. I mean, it's just, that's also a ridiculous one. It's just, you know, exclusive license and they do absolutely nothing with it. Except for, you know, put it in a a game that has absolutely just abhorrent microtransactions. Yeah, and they recently announced the new single-player Star Wars game, but... I have no hope or faith that it's going to be any good. Well, they've already said that uh, they, it's kind of funny. There's uh, back-to-back tweets talking about how there's no microtransactions, but then the follow-up marketing tweet, tweet is trust no one. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I remember seeing that. It's like, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not trusting anyone. At least not from EA. I don't trust really any AAA gaming these days. But then again, I'm a little cynical ball of hate. Or a big cynical ball of hate. You are a true cynic. Um, well, well, if they would prove me wrong once in a while, then maybe I would change my tune. But uh, if anything, they prove my cynicism right time and time again. Yeah, that is a very, very fair point. I mean, it's not like I'm... Uh, yeah, ignoring evidence if anything the evidence <laughs> reinforces my cynicism that's why i say it feels like a sucker's bet to buy a game within two months of uh, release in either direction these days not just pre-order i'm not going to amend the uh you know the first commandment because uh due to it yet but it's starting to feel that way isn't it yeah i mean just <sighs> What was the last AAA game that we haven't seen you know, major uh, news stories about it being utterly broken in one uh, way or another within this year? To be fair, we are, haven't seen many AAA games yet, but uh, it's starting to get depressing. Yep, yeah, I'll stick to my indies and 
Eve Online, I guess. I'll stick I'll, to those. Uh, I think I'll stick to, well, still Stardew Valley because I have to finish the game club uh, stuff, but uh, Yakuza 0 has been pretty good to me. Yeah. There you go, Yakuza. It's good to have other interests, though. Good yeah, to have two really, or three sort of hobbies that you enjoy. Yeah, really looking forward to October now. Whew. Yeah. I hope you enjoy that. I don't know if you want to actually say what it is at this point or not. Uh, well, I'm heading to AnimeCon. Uh, maybe if there's someone uh, interested, we could do a meetup. I don't know. But it's a, more of a regional thing or a regional uh, convention. But it's this is the 16th annual one. It's just this is the first one I've been able to go to. I didn't realize that they had one uh, yeah, locally until two years ago. But I just didn't have the money to go to it. Yeah. And then last year I had the move, so I didn't have the money then. But this time around, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm just going to go ahead and uh, get a hotel room because the local bus system, it's good, but it's bad as well. The uh, last bus that leaves town uh, to head back my way leaves at nine o'clock in the, uh, in the evening. So, you know, I'll miss out a good chunk of uh, content, right? Right. I, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And I mean, I think you will, I, you know, it's a little ways away, but you know, I was really happy for you when you told me like, <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound weird, but like you're my friend. And so hearing that you're going to go do something cool, like makes me happy. Plus I also shared the uh, schedule with you and you uh, saw, Oh, well, here's things I would like. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely hot anime dad. Uh, as soon as I saw that on there, because I looked at it last year and I was like, Oh yeah, I would enjoy this. Yeah, you know, there's quite a few things. Like, I, I found the calligraphy uh, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, some of the nerdier things that aren't just anime on the schedule. But uh, I was uh, scrolling through it again after sending it to you and saw hot dads in anime. It's like, well, why didn't I just tell Jared about this and be done with it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm there, hot dads in anime. I mean, you're anything if predictable. Yep. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I so need to get you into The Magician because I think you'll actually fall, fall in love with Elliot. He's about as flame... No, no. He, I would say he's like at your most flamboyant. He's about three or four notches beyond that. Nice. I enjoy watching that. I think I would hate like being his friend. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy like watching, you know, experiencing that in short bursts. Uh, I'm very to but... go hunt down a clip for uh, for you. As a matter of fact, I, I think I will. Will you do that? And while you do that, uh, I'll move us on to community corner. I actually didn't think to check to see if we had any emails or not. And do we have any tweets before I start talking about? Uh, there was no tweets. Night? And I didn't see any emails. Just double checking. No. Cool. Uh, So, yeah, this past week we played uh, Rocket League for Community Game Night. I already told you about my sad computer at (laughs) Escapade. Um, But otherwise, uh, it was a smaller night this week. It's a little more intimate. Wink. But uh, I still had a good time. Um, Rocket League might not 
be in the rotation very frequently, though we will uh, see how everyone holds up in the long run. But I don't want to make people play games that they didn't have a good time with. So, yeah. Which makes it sound bad. It it wasn't. (laughs) We hadn't. We generally had a good time, but there were some frustrations. And so we uh, uh, cube quit a little early and then we were going <coughs> to start winding down a little sooner, I think, than usual mm-hmm. when my computer exploded. And Yeah. Didn't we start to talk, talk about what to uh, do next? And then your computer just said, nope, nope, no, no more. <laughs> yep. Yep. We were talking about what we were going to do. And Ghost said he was going to be gone next week. And we were like, oh, you should pick something. And and then, yeah, so that didn't work out. So I don't know what we're doing next week. It'll be another one of those things where I post in the Discord and be like, hey, what's up? Although I'm thinking about maybe just taking next week off from community game night. <coughs> Excuse me, to get a little more time in for game club. I mean, I don't, idea. I don't expect to get, you know, all the way through three years of Stardew Valley. Oh, no. But it would be nice to have, you know, an extra two or three hours to just do a little more time in. A minute, you're going to go mine. I'm going to do some more mining. First, I need to cough up my lungs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go do some more mining. I mean, but really, what is mining but underground farming? When you really think about it. but uh, It doesn't work like that. <laughs> But yeah, just get a little more time in that. Actually, now that I'm sort of saying that out loud, unless you object, I think that's just what we'll do this week. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okie dokie. So it was written, so it shall come to pass. Indeed, so it shall come to pass. So it is written. Are you writing this? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Uh, so we had no email, we had no uh, tweets, so we have music. Indeed. But before we do that, uh, if you wish to resolve our lack of content in the community corner, you do so, btlpodcast at gmail.com, or tweet to us, btlpodcast on, well, their bird platform that may be tweeting. Gee, I wonder where that would be. Anyway, music. <laughs> Indeed. And I closed all of my Steam tabs. Oh, don't worry. I have one immediately off the bat. And, uh, well, I had my discovery queue loaded. So, Katana Zero. Okay, that's my first one. (laughs) You go ahead. Go for it. It's a stylish uh, neo-noir action platformer uh, featuring breakneck action and instant death combat. Uh, Metroidvania. I mean, let's be uh, perfectly honest here. It, It actually looks pretty good, though. But it looks like it's not just Metroidvania. There's some vehicle segments as well. If uh, the screenshots are anything to go by, it's, it looks interesting and it has uh, some good re- uh, uh, reviews. And it's published by Devolver Digital, so usually some fairly decent, at very worst. So yeah, I would say definitely worth a check out. Yeah, this doesn't look like the kind of game that I would enjoy. I mean, it doesn't look bad, just not like something that's up my alley. But, I mean, you know, that's okay. Not all games have to be designed for me. Laz, I mean, what are you? What type of suit are you? <laughs> all games have to be accessible to anyone and everyone, as long as they're willing to pay for it. Well, this is interesting looking. 
me get a link. Uh, it's called Embark. It has a lot of words that make me feel happy. Inspired by the deep simulation of Dwarf Fortress, the open world survival of Minecraft, and the social interaction interaction of The Sims, Embark is a colony management sim with a focus on complex simulation and a huge living 3D world. So, do you like? Yeah, sign me up for that as long as it's good. I mean, as soon as they said Dwarf Fortress, ooh, that, uh, this has a very Minecraft look to it. It does uh, also uh, looks world, very. Uh, I should say in the world uh, design. It lo- looks very similar as well to what's that game called? Mercury Fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Uh, well, fantasy version of it. A really yeah. complicated games. I approve of this game of this development <laughs> team's name. <laughs> so it doesn't look like it's the same developer or anything. Maybe there's just like a module in Unity uh, or well, something well, that makes very, it look this way. Well, it's a very uh, this. It's not a very unique look. I think is uh, the way to put it. Yeah, maybe uh, it's some pre-bought assets for the uh, for the people, but it has a different camera than the other one did. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's de- I definitely feel like there's some pre-bought assets here. Not Which is okay. Well, yeah, I'm not calling this yeah you know, uh, you know, a talentless asset flip. Uh, actually, quite the opposite. But yeah, it artistically it doesn't look very engaging, but. It looks like they're doing some interesting things with the game mechanics, assuming that they you know, keep on track because it is an early access game. How lo- approximately how long will it be in early access? Uh, at least a year or two. So hang on to your butts. At least a year or two. Very specific. Uh, at least they're being honest and not saying, oh, be ready in six months. Fair. And it's definitely not a cheap one either. 25 bucks going in with probably, let's just check... Um, oh, the price will not change uh, uh, when they leave early access, so it's going to stay this price. Probably uh, have a sale price at some point, though. So, my turn? Yeah. I ended up taking yours. <laughs> uh, but Pagan Online is a fast-paced hack-and-slash-action RPG that will challenge your skill and brutal satisfaction and brutal satisfying combat against countless enemies and larger than life bosses. Interesting looking. I mean, ARPGs are kind of in a, a renaissance right now. Uh, they're seem to be coming uh, back more and more. I don't, I've seen some people talking about this. And I don't think the online component is actually active just yet. So that, you know, that's something to watch out for. So, but it is an early access title. It looks interesting enough. I'm not sure how it'll play overall because, you know, ARPGs is one of those games that it's very hit or miss for uh, particular people. And this is produced by Wargaming. Let's see, Madhead Games. Let's see if, oh, they have a fairly long repertoire at least. So, yeah, it should get finished in theory. But, um, what no just this game my next game uh, it's not like weird or crazy i'm just surprised to see it but it makes me oddly happy oh no 
All right, let's see. Oh, I just got an embark on my queue. <laughs> you, Snooker nineteen. Maybe it's just the word snooker. I think is funny. And for anyone who doesn't know, snooker is very similar to pool. Um, there's but a not. few different rules and stuff. It, it you know to the I guess uninformed or the uninitiated it looks nearly the same but all the balls are red there's a few different rules and I think the table's a different size as well but I I like playing snooker um it's been a while since I've played it but I I, I like playing uh, are you saying snooker made you snicker oh and you broke up while you were telling me your your pun uh snooker made you snicker yeah snooker did make me snicker um, I mean, this doesn't look any like particularly special or weird or anything, but just like this is the first time I've thought about snooker in a in a while, and it made me giggle because I was kind of happy about it. So I just wanted to mention it. I like snooker. Huh. I, I just got something interesting looking. Uh, are we going to do two today? Since well, we are still sub two hours. Um, what time is it? 11.45. Are you through your whole queue already? Uh, I'm only about halfway through. I was asking. Yeah, let's just stick to one. Zombotron. Fight and survive on a mysterious alien planet. Outwit its ferocious inhabitants. So, Metroidvania Adventure again. Um, This looks like it has... Just the way it was designed, or you know, some of the screenshots looked, it almost looked like it was turn-based combat. But it's not, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's not. It's just uh, maybe it's just the uh, going af- off of uh, uh, Steam World Heist. I had to sit and take for a moment. You know, it had a, a similar feel to it. But yeah, it looks like uh, once again, sort of a pseudo Metroidvania game. Uh, with uh, a lot slower, more I don't uh, sluggish is probably not the right word uh, because that sounds a bit derogatory, but uh, more deliberate combat than most Metroidvanias. Gotcha. Uh, I'm not even sure Metroidvania is the proper term for this, but it says cult classic. Is this based off something, or is this a reimagining of something? It looks like. Okay. 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 It looks like this is a either a remake or like a, a remaster of an old Flash game that I just don't recognize. So, yeah. <laughs> so this game, my next game is making me laugh because it's silly and cool looking. Oh, really? <laughs> it's called Boss Guard. B-O-S-S-G-A-R-D. Who's the boss? It's finally you. One big bad player-controlled boss goes against a team of Vikings, each with special abilities, in her boss guard. A hectic 1v5 boss fight multiplayer game, which you get to crush your friends as the boss. It's got mixed local and online m- multiplayer. It says that you can enter you know, uh, with multiple people playing locally against other players online. And it's silly. It's, it's silly. There's, like down a little about halfway down silly bosses who needs a giant skeleton king when you can have giant evil baked goods uh Shrek too. so i like the the idea behind this and the aesthetic and uh right underneath that international vikings yeah classic vikings are great but if you ever played with a japanese viking wielding a gatlin gun well now you can 
Like, so it, as long as it nails the tone properly and mm-hmm. it doesn't cross his feeling kind of like, I don't know, Goat Simulator or something, sounds like it will be a lot of fun with just the silliness factor. Uh, what type of game is this? Uh, beat 'em up. All right. It's an eight, yeah. All right. Well, interesting. I got one that may be your cup of tea. Uh, okay. I know you uh, like your strategy games at times. I do right? like those. A turn-based strategy game. Uh, this is Sigma Theory Global Cold War. A turn-based strategy game in a futuristic global cold war from the award-winning creators of Out There. I don't recognize Out There. Uh, let's see. Recruit a squad of special agents and run your intel agency to secure the control of the singularity. So sci-fi cold war. It's one of those games that look at the screenshots. It looks like uh, overworld uh, is a little bit jumbled. It's tough to really get a feel for what the gameplay is actually like. Just look at screenshots. It's, you know, that's kind of the problem with, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the uh, trailer trying to get a feel for gameplay, and they don't show any gameplay, or or what gameplay they do show is just you know, very small segments. But interesting to say the least. Always fun to find, uh, you know, different tanks, uh, different takes on the strategy genre, and it's actually fairly cheap. And it is an early access game, though. Uh, let's see, how long are we going to be in early access? Oh, th- three to six months. Hey, six months. <laughs> right? Yeah. Six to 12 months. De- that seems to like to be the de facto. Six months is like the average of what they think is going to be uh, early access. Huh. Uh, you got another one or are you done? Um, I'm at the last game on my list i just got to it did you have no you okay i'm gonna put one yet hyper jam okay it's not next up on me so i'll go ahead and put mine next or my next one all right let's jam hyper jam is a neon soaked arena brawler full of lethal weapons stackable power-ups furious combat and killer synth wave soundtrack (laughs) it's very uh it's the right word that I'm looking for. It, like, it looks very Far Cry Blood Dragony, and some of these screenshots. Uh, yeah, where everything that, is neon. Ev- yeah, everything is neon. And I like that aesthetic. It it's looks like, like first game on Steam by these guys, either publisher or developer. It's self published. Yeah. But it looks cool. Um, a just a simple twin stick. Yeah. Well, it looks like some sort of PvP aspect available, but not required. They have an early access tag on this, but it's not in early access. I'm not sure if it released or... Looks like it, it's been out for a while. I don't see early access on here. Uh, in the tags. Uh, click pl- uh, the plus to see the full uh, popular user-defined tags for this pro- oh, okay. uh, product, and it's on there. I gotcha. Four-player local co-op, though. Uh, looks like it released uh, in February, so it's been a while. Yeah, so that was my last game, and also the last game of my queue. Well, I still have at least one more. Feather. Feather 
Feather is a serene game about exploration and immersion in a beautiful landscape. Become a bird and fly around and lose yourself in a zen-like flow whilst learning uh, to uh, uh, listening to soothing ambient soundtrack. So a zen exploration game. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. It looks interesting enough. It really depends on, you know, it doesn't feel like you're flying if, in this, really. So you play as a bird and uh, with responsive and fluid flight controls. So there's a few games where you're uh, a bird flying around, but it really, like I said, how's it a handle, right? Or if it's just an exploration game. Uh, looks like it's very short, though, according to this. Uh, it's a game where you explore an open area for 20 to 30 minutes. If you're okay with 20 minutes of relaxing experience, go for it. So there you go. There's the like, big negative. I like 20 minutes of relaxing. Yeah, but as an owl? Yeah, I like owls. They're cute. Also very dangerous. Or very deadly. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm done with my cues, so. Well, I got a visual novel. Uh... Uh, settle down, Chief. It's not that type of visual novel. Wink. Yet. It is the all-age version. Trinoline all-ages version. Trinoline? Uh, one summer day, Shunekunani meets a girl who is the spitting image of his dead sister. Oh, well, we'll see where this is going. She turns out to be a high-tech android indistinguishable from a human being. But you saw that one coming, huh? Uh, so it begins no. a touching tale of a world where androids and humans can co- uh, coexist. So, sci-fi visual novel. It looks like there is some sexy content that is cut, but uh, they said that there a patch. Uh, the dev said a patch should be inbound for the game, but has not been released as of yet. So, yeah, it's a $35 visual novel, so up there. I'm going to do, do a quick search on the visual novel database for this game. Okay. Just to get an idea on length on this. Let's see. Da, da, da. It, it is considered a medium-length novel in the 10 to 30-hour range with... Uh, and they do have the tag low sexual content, so there's not a lot there, but boy, there's some interesting tags on that. And for those who uh, want to go uh, check it out, it's uh, vndb.org. Visual novel database. Yeah, imagine oh, like that. IMDb. Yeah, whenever I come across a visual novel, that, yeah, I go there to check it out just to get an idea of its rating. It's not rated very much but it's in the about uh 7.29 which is in the good range and this runs on the imdb rating uh, system where seven is not considered cancer so it looks like a pretty decent uh visual novel with uh some uh sci-fi themes and uh, th- how did i get this this is a uh, more your speed what is it? Okay, okay. I'll put it on here just for you because I know this is going to be... Yeah, yeah this is like an instant buy for you. So they're their visual novel. And this time, yes, it is that type of visual novel. Breeding Village. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, damn. I mean, just look at the screenshots on this. 
Uh-huh. That is a barely and also poorly pixelated vagina and anus on the on the front store page. So, oh, don't worry. I uh, go a, a bit deeper. Hang on. There is a stink bug crawling across my desk. Yeah, let's just put it this way. Visual Novel Database does not rate this very highly. <laughs> Still being pest control, man. And let's, wanna... put, and let's put it this way. It's uh, sexual content tags outrank uh, pretty much all its other tags. So, yeah, it's that type of game. Oh, I smushed it too much, and now it stinks. Uh, much like that visual novel? Yeah. Although I think I prefer the visual novel to a stink bug. I'm not trying to edit out the this, this shoe slamming. I don't know how much that came through the mic. Probably plenty. Uh, I, uh, enough that it sounded like you, you know, well, you smashed your stink bug. It's that time of year. They're out here. Well, uh, they haven't hit here yet. So, uh, I'm thankful for that. But then again, uh, my apartment complex uh, does monthly spraying. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's the benefit of uh, having to wake up early uh, uh, the second to last Tuesday of the month. Stupid bug guy. Yeah, we've got a buy that comes, but it's not every month. Yeah, my last game uh, looks like a very uh, poor horror game that's not even worth talking about. Sweet. Well, then that means it's time for me to say, hey, Rage, hit him with the socials. Well, if you wish to contact us once again, it is VGLpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us to us at VGLpodcast on the Twitter. But once again, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on YouTube, Gaming with uh, Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. Or you can find me maybe someday on Twitch, twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage. See, I thought I'd throw the podcast ones in there as well. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, and I've been Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on YouTube by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Gaming Psychologist. <laughs> There we go. You can find me over on Twitter at JMA4707. And if you want to chat with me on Steam, you can do so by sending your friend request to JR4707. And if you're supposed to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Salsa. Mm, Salsa. salsa. <laughs> the king of uh, Tex-Mex uh, condiments, right? Indeed. I want some salsa right now. I probably won't have any chips and salsa, but I want some. Yeah, because it's probably a little bit bad for you, right? Yeah, it's too late for me to be putting carbs like that in my body. Too close. Didn't to stop you before. I wasn't diabetic before. Mm, true. Well, you, you should have gone for the early access uh, buy on that body. You know, you should have worked for some. Uh, wait for the, uh, the at least the one point one patch. Yeah, I wish my body had a one point one patch. Oh, I've already done uh, uh, VGLpodcast at gbl.com or VGLpodcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have helped pay for this absolute madness. Uh, VGL po- uh, uh, 
uh, patreon.com slash BGL podcast. See, I always screw up at least something in this. Uh, if you wish to learn more and our patrons have paid for our pond bean account and we are totally grateful for you. Uh, bglpodcast.podbean.com which hosts the show notes our rss feed if you wish to catch us uh, on the regular outside of youtube or you can find us on itunes google play or your podcatcher of choice our intro and outro music is on the ground by ken mcloyd and doobly do is our discovery cube music by the same artist you can find all his work at incomputech.com and as always as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice Goodbye now. See you next time.